0: Welcome into to the Sun Devil Source Report Podcast. I'm the host, Ethan Ryder, joined by Sun Devil Source publisher, Chris Carpin. Chris, how are you doing? Ethan, doing great. Uh, people will be hearing
1: that uh, your voice and name are different than Mason Kern. Uh, I want to congratulate Mason. He took a job uh, in Nebraska and uh, not covering the Cornhouse working for a, a, a local TV station there. Um, you know, these kinds of things happen. Uh, really excited for his, his, his future um, now that he's a graduate of Cronkite. And it's uh, really excited to have you on board hosting the podcast. you can been so, so uh, welcome.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's an exciting time for him. I've seen a couple of things on Twitter already from him. Looking forward to see what he can do in the future. It's an exciting time for him. It's also an exciting time of year for fans right before the preseason camp is getting underway, especially this year with so much hope for this Sunday football team, and there's already big news coming out of ASU with tons of players and just many players and options for the team, and this podcast was going to be previewing the team ahead of that preseason camp that does start on Wednesday. Before we get actually into the team, Pac-12 Media Day happened last week with Herm Edwards, Jaden Daniels, and Chase Lucas all in attendance, including Chris Cartman. It was there as well. Jaden Daniels gained has said he's gained about 12 pounds. And Chase Lucas said didn't fall in love with football until last year. So a bunch of things happening at Pac-12 Media Day. But what were your biggest takeaways, Chris?
1: It was interesting. It, it, they had a different venue it was at the W Hotel. Uh, previously had been at the, the Hollywood and Highland complex, smaller room. Uh, you know, because they had the mask mandate, it, it you know, the, the different sort of energy vibe Um, you had of course herm edwards asked a couple questions about the ncaa review that the team is under wasn't going to say anything about that Uh, basically no commented Um, although i did ask him if there were any sort of you know ways that he could um, work to avoid distractions within the program with staff or players or anything and he basically said that there, there, there isn't a distraction. And I, I find that sort of, you know, difficult, uh, conceptually, that this wouldn't be something that takes, you know, some energy, emotion and thought, um, away from, you know, preparing and onto some of the, the issues with the, that the staff, you know, feels like they might uh, end up dealing with as part of this you know matter, but, um, that's kind of, you know, that's going to play itself out as, as the coming weeks and months unfold. And we're going to see also um, just chase Lucas. This is his sixth year at ASU. Nobody expected that he and I were joking about it at Pac-12 media day. He definitely thought he would already be in the NFL. I'm, I'm sure. But what you said there about um, him pretty candidly acknowledging that he wasn't as dedicated to football at an earlier stage of his development in college, really, even until a year ago, he said, Um, I think that was very sort of introspective and and, and candid and refreshing. And I did see a different type of Chase Lucas uh, on the field last year. And I think he's always been someone we've talked about as having the potential to be a, day two or possibly even day one NFL draft pick, uh, athletically, you go back to the previous, you know, defensive staff, Danny Gonzalez, and Tony White talked about it a lot. Uh, and, but last year he really started to put it on the field and he has a chance to be, um, a leader of what, what perhaps is one of the best, uh, secondaries in the pack of, if not the country, um, you mentioned Jane Daniels saying he gained 12 pounds I don't know if he looks like he's gained 12 pounds, but he definitely has continued to get noticeably bigger and stronger. You can, you can see that he still is a pretty wiry lean guy, especially for a quarterback. Um, you know, Almost everybody who gets drafted to play the position in the NFL weighs more than 200 pounds going back some years. So he's still going to have to gain more weight. Also probably lose weight as the season goes on. Most guys do. And then they bulk up in the off season. So he's going to, you know, have a lot ahead of him. Um, but he, he's made a lot of progress. And then he mentioned that he's going to be graduating in December with a degree in business communications, um, which, uh, as people start to think about his future, uh, that's, that's another factor, right? Like he's going to have his degree, probably it seems like by December, um, so I'm 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 confident that with how good ASU's forecast to be, um, that his goal would be to have a dynamite season, be able to graduate, and then have the opportunity to 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 consider moving on and be drafted high next year. So that's a whole subplot to what we're going to be looking at this season.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and this is Jaden Daniels and Chase Lucas are two key players for this team, a team that's brought twenty starters back. They have the second most super seniors in the power five, one of the most experienced defenses in the country with a lot of those players starting off as freshmen at ASU. Uh, They led in rushing last season with Rashad white, having 10 yards per carry, which led the country. And then of course, like you said, Jaden Daniels, he's a second best odds in the PAC 12 to win the Heisman in, in quarterbacks after Slovis. And it's now his third season. And as you said, him looking to have a dynamite season and and make his way off to the next level. But in, in terms of this team, We'll, we'll jump right into breaking down this team. And, and first, that quarterback position with Jaden Daniels, of course. Jaden Daniels is is primed to be the starter, and that's not really that big of a question. But the big question is just kind of what is there to be expected from him? What What is he going to be able to do to be that diamond guy and really make that next step to be a, a viable quarterback at the next level?
1: Yeah, so second year working with Zach Hill in this offense, uh, last year there were a lot of challenges, in the first year, um, they had sort of irregular practice scheduling and some uh, a whole lot of new pieces that he had to work with. Frank Darby got hurt against USC. Had, uh, every All the other receivers were essentially new. Um, th- that created some challenges. I don't think the coaches understood their personnel quite as well as they would have hoped to at the outset of the season, so they didn't do some some, some things that maybe they would have done now that they – you have a better sense of them? Jaden uh, was, I think, sort of caught between, um, you know, running and passing sometimes, hanging in the pocket, waiting for play development, things that you, as a coordinator uh, or an analyst, you're looking to see from a quarterback. But he is so successful when plays break down and his ability to get yardage with his feet, coupled with the newness of the scheme and, the um, how green that his receivers were across the board I think that caused some issues and that won't be the case this year you know he's had a whole nother offseason to work and develop um, relationships and just feel chemistry with these receivers they all know the offense much better um, and and so I, I think you know we're going to talk about this you know, a lot in this podcast throughout camp and into the year, but uh, what Daniels is able to do passing the ball is going to be in my mind, the key thing for this offense, because now that you have uh, everyone's understanding of how potent ASU's run game is off of last season, uh, you're going to probably have defenses really try to creep up try to take away the run game, make ASU win down the field, uh, connecting on some big plays in the passing game. And that's, you know, that's equal parts, if not more receiver than Daniels, because we know he throws a great deep ball. Uh, But really it is that big play capability in the passing game that is going to enable this offense to continue to really flourish. I, I would say, and beyond, behind Daniels, it, it's a, it's a steep drop off to whoever would be the backup in the event that um, he has to go out of the lineup. Uh, I think the, the, the number two quarterback would either be Trenton Borghett, the former walk-on or the scholarship, um, you know, just by practicing really well. And, and um, he's like a very high level sort of mind for the game Uh, And then Finn Collins, the freshman, looked really good, I think, in the spring in terms of just his composure and a lot of his physical tools are quite impressive. So I'm interested to see kind of how that uh, plays out a battle between those two guys for the
0: backup spot. Yeah. And as you said, with the running game being so good last year, there was not as much really necessarily needing to throw because the run game was so positive and they were in the lead. A lot of the times, but the big thing with Zach Hill is he's talked about how kind of in an ideal world there would be a 55% passing plays and 45% running plays, and part of that, as you said, comes from the wide receiver group who last year it was the 11th best passing offense in the conference. Uh, they averaged only 21.75 pass attempts per contest, which was by far the fewest in the contest or on, in the conference. So the wide receiver group is interesting because there's a lot of talent there, but they're very young. And they just lost Frank Darby to the draft as he got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And it's kind of one of the bigger question marks around the team, not because there's not any talent there necessarily, but the big question is who's going to be that marquee guy? And Coach Gill talked about it uh, in spring ball and said there was a big group effort last year, but they're kind of looking for that marquee guy. So who do you expect to step up into that position?
1: Great question. I totally agree that this is the biggest sort of unknown element of this team and the, uh, the position I'm going to be watching most closely. Um, as you said, they, they, they were 11th in the, in the conference last year in passing offense, but a big part of that was they didn't really need to throw the ball in half their games much at all. Um, but I don't think that they could have been a much more dynamic passing attack team last year if they had to be. And when Hill says he wants to be 55% passing, it's because really you, you need not only the big play capability, but you need the you know, intermediate chain moving, and then you need run replacement stuff. So you need to be able to stretch the field laterally and hit at all levels uh, in your passing game and have that um, so that you're not a one note type of an offense where you, you know, team, team defenses just literally load up against you and make it a lot more difficult for you to move the football, which has happened at times um, for the Sun Devils, including, you know, against Utah on the road uh, and in some non-conference type games over the years. Um, Definitely the talent is great, as you said. Uh, You look at, I think they have like something like six or seven receivers in a row who committed to the program over a two-year period that were all four-star guys. You go through the list, it's like the, you know, the the freshmen – are really quite something athletically between Johnny Wilson, Elijah Badger, LV Bunkley Shelton, uh, Chad Johnson Jr. was a four-star, Junior Alexander, who's an incoming freshman, the only one that they signed who's new, also a four-star. Um, and, and then to me, I think the, the biggest newcomer, though, is Brian Thompson, the Utah transfer. And he was one of the better big play receivers in the Pac-12 uh, in the last couple of years at Utah, but they, the Utes didn't really have the quarterback that had the ability to maximize that or take advantage of that. One of the biggest reasons that Thompson ended up transferring to ASU is Jane Daniels. It has that ability. So we know the Sun Devils have had big play, you know, re- receivers in recent years. Frank Darby was a great deep ball threat. Brandon I provided that capability uh, last year it it wasn't quite there, especially early on in the season. And as a way of allowing some of these younger players more time sort of build into that, I think Ryan Thompson's going to be a huge. He'll play the X position, which is into the boundary. It's the one that's um, you know closest to the ball where it's positioned if it's on the hash. And beyond that, I think you have really a battle for, with several players, five or six players, Uh, four starting spots. You have uh, at the H position, which is in the slot, you have Ricky Pearsall and LB Bunkley Shelton. Uh, Bunkley Shelton led the team pretty clearly last year as a true freshman in the number of targets and catches. He's an underneath uh, a weapon, a guy who is a great leverage route runner, a guy you can throw the ball to a lot in the quick game uh, in and out-breaking type of routes. And then um, I think Pearsall is, has a really good combination of size and athleticism and route running. Uh, and he's versatile piece. He doesn't have to play H, even though that's kind of where they have tended to want to line him up. I think he's being slept on a little bit. He has the potential to be a uh, one of the better receivers on the team. And you go outside to the Z position, which is furthest aligned from the football and you have uh, a battle between Johnny Wilson, you have a, a battle between Johnny Wilson and, um, uh, um, and uh, Jordan Porter, pardon me. And I think that is gonna be fascinating because it, Wilson is super talented. He's 6'7 and 225, 30 pounds. Um, there hasn't been a uh, player like him uh, at ASU probably ever as a wide receiver, but yet he, and he improved as the season went on. I think we're going to have to see exactly where he's at. Because at the outset of the season against USC. He was kind of not ready. Um, You know, by, by the end, he was sort of starting to get there, but still some of the reps were a little bit off. Jordan Porter is a speed guy. He's one of the fastest guys on the offense. Um, If he's able to win at the line of scrimmage and get clean releases into his routes, he becomes one of these guys like a Brian Thompson bookending that on the other end of the field, who has the ability to, to, to stretch uh, uh, the defense and, and, and make some plays. And then um, some other guys who are definitely still in the mix are Andre Johnson and uh, LV Bunkley I mean, pardon me, and Elijah Badger. Uh, Elijah Badger wasn't able to play last year. He had a red shirt, uh, it was, a, you know, there was no red shirts, but he had a forced sit out year because academics. And, uh, he wasn't eligible, but in practices, a lot of the coaches felt like, um, you know, he might've been at times their most, most dynamic option. You know, he is maybe the, the guy who's most Brandon Ayuk like, not saying he's on that level, but stylistically and athletically, there's some similarities there. So he has the ability to maybe play, uh, as a number two, uh, um, X behind Brian Thompson. The other option there's Andre Johnson. Who has shown that he has some vertical route running and big play capability? He's good on double moves and, and some bigger concept type types of routes. Um, so this, you know, it's it's a, as we said, athletic, deep, but nobody really has proven themselves who has already played for ASU, and they're going to need a couple of these guys to really step up.
0: Yeah, and that that's the the biggest question mark around them because they're deep. They have almost every type of receiver you could want. They have the big receiver in Johnny Wilson, like you talked about. They have shifty receivers. They have fast receivers, which also brings up the next position group in tight ends because the tight ends, of course, there's Adam Brennan is now in on paid administrative leave. It kind of makes you question kind of what now, like what, what do you think that will affect in terms of the tight ends being players that Jaden Daniels can target in situations? What is not, what is Adam Brenneman being on paid Adam? Is, administrative leave uh you know what does that how does that affect that group
1: right so um when uh asu decided to go in a different direction uh and not bring back Derek hagan there were two coaches who already were staff members who already worked at asu football who interviewed for that position and um one of them was brenneman he was an analyst and the other one or a graduate assistant, pardon me, and the other one was Justin Wood, who's an analyst who came with um, uh, Zach Hill from Boise State um, to join ASU. So Justin Wood already has, like, when he arrived, the best sort of knowledge of the scheme. Okay, so and and, and he was a legitimate candidate for that job. Um, so. Justin Wood now is going to work with the tight ends. I can't really say from a – I've never been able to evaluate him uh, from a skill development standpoint and, you know, his understanding of the position and and all those kinds of things. So that's that's going to be sort of interesting for us to follow. They've really struggled with getting continuity with their uh, tight end position coaching, and they have in – you know, the, the, you know, they have some young players, most prominently, Jalen Conyers, who now they worked with Brenneman in the spring. And now they're going to be getting somebody new that they're going to be working with. What does that do, you know, for that group? Um, I, I, Curtis Hodges, I don't think it's going to really affect him that much. He's five years deep into his career. Uh, now he's been at tight end for a couple of years. I think he has a pretty good understanding. Um, but for the younger guys, I think it is a factor. And... I think we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel looks this year um, which means two tight ends with Hodges being a Y style, you know, inline tight end, you know, and then Conyers playing a lot as like a flexed out H like a bigger H. So when you don't have this typical slot receiver H on the field, then you can maybe have a bigger guy like Conyers who is, he's a lot coming at you as 6'3, 250 ish. A uh, uh, type of a player he showed in the spring a capability to make plays down the field and in the red zone um, in fact he had two touchdowns in the, the the final spring scrimmage albeit against the second team and uh i think the biggest question you have there though is um what is the depth like uh, they they were expecting to enroll geocoria spivey um, a, a Mississippi State transfer, he decided that he was instead going to go to SMU. Um, part of that, I think, was, you know, s- you know academic related. Um, he, his major and, and being able to transfer um, credits and stuff was an issue at ASU. And then, you know, maybe also secondarily with some of the stuff that's going on. With Brennan and in uh, in this this whole NCAA uh, uh, review, uh, so so you have of course uh, Case Hatch is a fullback, H back type coming back, uh, and then other than that, they 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 don't have a lot from a scholarship standpoint. They John Stivers is a walk on from Harvard who played a little bit last year. Um, probably don't want to have to rely on him too much, and the other two freshmen. Jake Ray and Ryan Morgan, I think they're a little bit – they're a ways away. And Ethan Long practiced at quarterback instead of tight end late in the year, but I don't think he's a factor yet, really at, at either one of these positions
0: right now. Yeah, and, and with Zach Hill in the past, his offense has utilized tight ends a lot. We saw the tight ends targeted heavily in spring. So we'll see how that continues with the depth that you just talked about and maybe lack throughout and see if they can step up. Um, as that'll be in an important position. But other players that can step up on this offensive team, a uh, group that already has is the running backs with Rashad Wright and Diamante Trainum, possibly one of the best one-two punches in the country. Um, so what do you expect from that group? Of, of Anyone that watched them last year will expect a lot of touches from Rashad Wright and Diamante Trainum. What do you expect from those two? And then who else might get touches out of that running back group? Yeah, so my hope is that people
1: go back and remember what we said a year ago about those guys. I pretty I staked out a pretty bold stance that ASU probably would even be better at the running back position with White and Trinum, and even Daniel Nagata you know, eventually uh, compared with Eno Benjamin, which was saying a lot because Benjamin broke school records and was a tremendous workhorse player. But I just think that the, the size, athleticism, combination of White and Tranum, um, it's, it's so dynamic that there, there was a higher ceiling for those guys and, and they, were, they would be ready-made uh, to come in and play right away. And that was demonstrated quite clearly. Uh, it was uh, only four games, 42 carries. So you people are gonna say, yeah, it's not sustainable over, um, you know, when you play, you know, three times that many games, but 10 yards of carry leading the country was really incredible um, by a player in his first year. And and also remember, he was a late addition uh, at ASU. He didn't even sign until like May or June. Plenty of other schools could have easily had him earlier in the process and decided not to. And great job by ASU to find Rashad White. I think that uh, to me, especially when you include what he can do um, as a receiving weapon, like they probably should have thrown the ball more to him against USC last year. Um, he had that really amazing uh, first big, you know, play uh, catching the ball in the flat and taking it the distance. Um, and, and then train um I think he's worked. He, I mean, he's like, I mean, he's built like a, like a, like a, um, you know, like a, Uh, like a, like a machine. I mean, he's unbelievable that this guy he's, he's uh, but yet he's still athletic and fluid and he moves extremely well. And um, I think he's really worked to improve his capability receiving the, uh, the ball out of the backfield. You could see them in in some, in some two back sets. And then Daniel Nagata um, he really improved a lot. I think in practices over the last uh, 16, 18 months, right? Um, so, I, I, you know, he's definitely their third guy. Um, and I think that he's the most, you know, Benjamin-like guy, right? And then you have DJ um, Taylor, might maybe the fastest of all the receivers, straight line speed. He doesn't have the wiggle, he doesn't have the size, um, of, of some of the others, but you could bring him in as a specialist type guy, you know, like jet sweeps and reverses and things like that. And he has the ability to really win the edge, um, you know, in, in, in those types of situations. So ultimately, the only thing that is really going to hold, potentially hold this group back at all, in my opinion, is if defenses are able to cheat against the run because ASU's passing attack isn't as dynamic, especially with big play capability. If ASU is able to have that great balance, uh, I think you're going to see with Donovan West moving to center, a lot of reliance on on him. Uh, you know, four offensive line starters returning. You're probably upgraded athletically there by moving Ladarius Henderson into the lineup and moving West over. Uh, I, I think you could see the best run game overall that. Um, in a very long time at ASU.
0: Yeah. And, and there are talks from uh, running backs coach, Sean Iguano that there, there would be like, he kind of made it seem like it's possible that they throw three, both all three Rashad White, Diamante tournament, and Yada at teams because he thinks it's hard to stop three different players, but the, the expectation would be uh, white and train as you talked about, but there's so much stuff that they could do a lot. But part of that run game is that offensive line that you just talked about, which, uh, is returning four stars as you said. There's a mix of players. There's kind of, there's a lot of snaps in college between them, but they haven't necessarily played together. So, what are your kind of thoughts on the offensive line and who might be able to step up for that run game and, of course, pass protection for Jaden Daniels as well?
1: All right, this is really at the top five. There's a step down after the top five, and that that is one of the question marks that has to sort of be closely watched as we get into. Uh, camp, But the top five, uh, for my money, is about as good as they have had in, in, in recent history. You have two all-league uh, caliber players, Kellen Deesh at tackle. Uh, I thought he was a re- revelation last year. Uh, ha- having never played for four years at Texas A&M, to come in and look as good as he did last year. Uh, he has beautiful footwork, graceful. Uh, he moves extremely well, both uh, in, in the run game and also in his pass pro. They're really working on him to get more power and pop uh, with his hands and use his hands a little bit more actively. But I think he can play in the NFL because he's six six or taller. He has really good body type and composition at that size, and he moves ex- extremely well. Um, I think he's, he'll be one of the better – offensive tackles in the PAC 12. And then of course, there's no doubt that Donovan West is one of the better interior players in the PAC 12. I think he might've been, you know, the last two years he was the best underclassman offensive guard in the PAC 12 and moving to center presents, you know, more challenges. It's a tougher position. You got, you know, the additional, you know, thing, the snapping, it, it, you know, it it makes it tougher. Um, But I think that, He's clearly a better athlete, has more potential there than Kay Cody, the player he's replacing. And then you move with Darius Henderson, who started two years ago, forced into action as a 17-year-old freshman uh, that he wasn't ready for, but he got a lot of experience. Last year, he was their, their first backup. Now he's ready to play guard, left guard. He's played on the left side guard. He's been on the right side at right guards, Practice a lot of right tackle. Now he's going to pra- play at left guard. He has totally overhauled his body, gotten a lot stronger, bigger, leaner, uh, more agile, I think. So that 5 sum is, is really tremendous. They were hoping, the, the ASU coaches, that Tristan Miller, the North Carolina transfer, would come in, practice well, and maybe even push uh, Henry Hattis, who's the fifth starter at right guard, the, the Stanford transfer, who I think is solid, not on the level of Deesh, but I think he's a solid mid-tier Pac-12 player um, they were hoping that they could get Tristan Miller to push him but it may, or maybe even compete at center but he was banged up um, when he got to ASU and really didn't practice at all um, the guy who probably deserves recognition as the biggest surprise player last year on the team it was Ben Scott the starting right tackle in fact ASU's former offensive line coach Dave Christensen, said he might have been the most consistent of all of their offensive linemen, which is really saying something for a first-year starter. It, ben Scott was the 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 of the ten lowest-rated pro, prospects on the twenty-four-seven composite that ASU signed in that twenty-nineteen class that he was a part of. Um, he, he's the only guy that became a starter um, already, a regular starter. So, uh, and he was really just. Tremendous run game, pass game, really didn't give up any sacks, uh, plays with a lot of poise and high football IQ. He has really good vision and his head's on a swivel. So he's really good. Now, beyond the five, I mentioned Tristan Miller. You have these other options, which are fourth year sophomores, uh, which is, you know, never happens. But because of the pandemic, that's where you're at with the eligibility. It's Ralph Frias, Jared Bell and Spencer Lovell. Uh, all three of them, the Mike Cavanaugh, his first-year offensive line coach, said are better suited to be interior players. They had had freest and level practicing a tackle previously, and they may need to in a pinch uh, play tackle uh, as, like, the second backup. Um, with the, what ASU would probably do if one of the tackles goes down, they'd move a Darius Henderson outside to that tackle spot, whatever one it is, and they would move into the lineup at guard uh, one of freest, level, and Bell. Um, these guys need to really get on step on the gas and get going and show that they're ready to play at this level and be ready to start um, in 2022 and be capable backups this year. No, nobody had none of them has really done that in a solidified kind of way. And then you have the most likely of the, the, the freshmen um, to potentially play would be, either Ben Bray or Ezra dotson the the newcomer who was a four-star recruit and highly regarded at Texas as a backup center option uh, to Donovan West. And Asaya Glass practiced with the second team at left tackle. And he could be potentially their second backup left tackle after moving uh, Ladarius Henderson outside as the first backup tackle. So um, there's a lot of depth situations to watch here between like the number six and number nine, 10 players. That's what I'm going to be focused on. But the top five looks really, really excellent. I would say, I mean, you could even say that Ben Scott is a potential sleeper, all league caliber uh, uh, prospect. If not this year, I, I would say certainly by, by 2022. So they have two or three guys capable of playing at that first to second team off-conference caliber level.
0: And with that depth, and that, that's the last position group for offense. So that's an offense that looks to be one that can be very strong this year. Of course, um, with the new offense under Zach Hill, there's been a longer time. He talked about it a couple of times, but uh, that offensive line group uh, in particular, as well as a, is a group that could benefit the most with more time learning that offense uh, and the offense in general. Uh, in that sense, we'll should be better off this year in terms of knowing the offense and being able to showcase a little bit more. But let's switch gears over to the defense uh, or actually let's let's stay on the offense for a quick second. What, what do you think are the main things to look out for in the preseason camp on the offensive side of the ball that it will be most important uh, for fans to look out for? Yeah, it's definitely the
1: passing attack. I think that is the number one thing with this whole season is Jaden Daniels taking that next step in terms of understanding scheme, uh, his ability to make checks and change things at the line of scrimmage in a way that is dynamic and hanging in there and uh, um, allowing play development. And then are the receivers, do they have the fluency of the scheme? Are they getting off the line of scrimmage? with greater physicality and more consistently in terms of the route running? Are they able to have some big play capability by more more than one or two guys? And uh, do they have post route uh, evolution in terms of their ability to freelance and be in a rhythm with Jaden Daniels to where they can make uh, unexpected plays uh, on the fly? Though to me, that is the easily the most important thing that we gotta watch. Uh, second, more secondarily, of course, is as I was saying, like how do, does the, the offensive line shake up from like the sixth, seventh, eighth guys? Um, are they gonna would they have a big drop-off if somebody gets knocked out of the lineup among their starters? Um, and then how how capable are they at the tight end position? Is is Jalen Conyers ready to be you know, a full service guy? Is he more of just a receiver, a specialist? Um, are anybody else stepping up there? Um, you know, how much are they able to get from Case Hatch and in what kind of ways are they able to utilize him? Um, I think those are really the biggest questions about the offense.
0: Okay, so that's that's the offense so far heading into preseason camp, of course stay locked in to sundevilsource.com we'll have a bunch more content just talking about the offense and how that progresses throughout the preseason camp but we'll change gears to the defense with all starters returning and 10 of their 11 backups returning as well we talked about it at the beginning of this podcast with it being one of the most experienced defenses in possibly the whole country so the first kind of group that we'll talk about is is the defensive line which is is a group that heavily improved last year uh, with Players like Tyler Johnson, DJ Davidson, just players that stepped up and were able to get pressure on the quarterback when they only had four players rushing. And they're returning all four starters. They had all 13 scholarship players from last year uh, coming back as well, with two new additions incoming. So, what are the biggest questions around that defensive line group?
1: Man, I think um, they're in really good shape, a lot better shape than I thought last year when. Robert Rodriguez was probably the overall MVP uh, of ASU that move from a three, three, five to the four, um, three. And Rodriguez is um, a, a jolt of energy and and technical proficiency. What he provided to this, to these guys in this group, it, it was really a lightning bolt. Uh, and they almost have five starters back when I look at it because Shannon Foreman ha- has started at, at end Tyler Johnson, he backed up a lot last year, even though he's basically a starter-level player. Um, Michael Matus, I think, was probably one of the biggest um, surprises uh, on the off, I mean, on the defense last year. What he was able to do, just just coming in and starting, he benefited greatly from that transition to a 4-3. Jermaine Lole, moving him from an end to a three-technique position where he's most suited to play and will probably play at the next level. Um, that was a a huge positive step for them. Um, DJ Davidson has the ability to be one of the better nose tackles in the PAC 12, Tyler Johnson, one of the best pass rushers in the PAC 12 ASU, this group, um, it wasn't really appreciated because they only played in four games and other teams played more, but they had the most quarterback pressures and the most sacks and the most tackles for loss as a percentage of reps. Um, that's all really you could ask for in, in that type of a year. And when you have all those guys coming back and now they have that extra off season of working with Rodriguez and that schematic understanding, they have a chance to be pretty special. I, I think that Tyler Johnson and, and Jermaine Lolay easily could be first team, all, all conference caliber players. Um, those guys are, are trying to, Put out a bunch of great films so that they can um make a case for the NFL next year. Um DJ Davidson can play at the next level and I think he's got the ability to show that um you just needs to be even more of a, a, a bully in the 335 so many times it was like a lot of angling and um kind of wrapping around and, and and doing some cuter things with the feet which was which you know it worked within the scheme but he needs to understand how much power that he really possesses and, and ra- start ragdolling guys. Not, don't be content to just lock someone out. Don't be content to dent up the pocket a little bit. You got to actually start throwing people around and use this, this, this vast sort of uh, lower body strength that he ha- he possesses. Um, there are some younger players that, that I think have a lot of potential. Um, Amiri Johnson looked like he was on a great trajectory two years ago. Then he got hurt. He, he didn't really handle that properly in terms of bringing it to the attention of trainers at the outset of the pandemic. It didn't get better it was sports hernia. So he had, then he eventually had surgery and they did not miss the spring. But by the end of the spring, he was running around and he looked pretty good physically. And I, I think he should be hundred percent. He could take a, a big step up and, and, you know, be, uh competing for 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 second team reps you have travez moore who's the lsu transfer who joined asu in the spring i think he shapes up to be potentially the backup to tyler johnson on the right side and then i think he's got some some um quick twitch capability as a pass rusher on the edge and then uh, then you also have uh omar norman lot as a backup option to Jermaine Lole and Shannon Foreman at the three tech where I think Norman Locke could push Foreman and, uh, athletically, I mean, he's a different caliber guy. ASU's rarely had 290 plus pound guys that have the type of, of explosiveness and violence in terms of how you, how someone utilizes their hands. Um, you know, Stefan Wright entered the transfer portal, the former four-star, higher-level signee from ASU a couple of years ago, um, and you know, there's some family issues at play there, I think. But also, he's and he had injuries. He had both shoulders operated on. One as a senior before he got to ASU that sent him back. Then he has other shoulder operated on, um, you know, at the end of last season, and so that those things sent him back. And then he's got some family stuff. But part of that is just Norman Lott is like looking like he's probably the heir apparent to Jermaine Lola. So, uh, and then there's, you know, even beyond that, Anthony Cooper played quite a bit last year as an end. He can swing between end and tackle. You have Stanley Lambert who looks athletically like he's back from the catastrophic knee injury he had a few years ago. You have TJ Pesifaya who can play successfully backing up DJ Davidson as a nose tackle, maybe even, you know, provide starter level play, um, as, as a second team guy. And then you have, you know, freshman edge players, Joe Moore and Garen Stansbury. You know, I, I doubt either one of them plays, but they would be behind like a Travez Moore who's in his last year, uh, and have a chance to then move up once Tyler Johnson and Trez Moore move on. So not only am I seeing, uh, the possibility for great play uh, with the starters, I see it now setting up to where they have some pretty darn good depth options who are younger.
0: Yeah. And that's a group that just like the team that we've talked about in general, even on the offensive side, just a lot of depth, uh, certain players that look to step up. And as we've talked about um, a lot of veteran presence there as well, and we'll move on now to the outside linebackers, and, and the, we can do the linebackers in general, but it's kind of under the 1st two linebackers, Coach Chris Claiborne, there's a lot of veteran presence within this group, and there's seemingly kind of a set starting three um, where Merlin Robertson, uh, Kyle Swell, and Darian Butler seem to be that starting three. But who do you kind of expect, or what do you expect from them, and then who do you expect to step up into kind of a second group to be able to back them up?
1: So one of the more interesting things that came out of Pac-12 media day was that neither Merlin Robertson nor Darian Butler uh, were even honorable mention media picks at linebacker. And that is, if I'm them, I'm taking that as just straight disrespect. These are, these guys are three year starters uh, under their belts already. They, they've played about as much as any guys in their class in in all across the country in college football. And they've been very productive, um, you know, among the top tacklers on, on the team over that period. And I, I understand why they, you know, weren't first or second team, all conference guys. And there are a lot of really good linebackers in, in, in the conference, but Merlin Robertson should be at that level. But that is the expectation for a guy like like him at this point. Um, I think he acknowledged a couple of years ago that, he wasn't as committed as he needed to be in the off season. He got a lot better as that season played out last year. He was great against USC in a full service kind of way. And then he wasn't as good against UCLA. They, the group sort of dipped off a little bit. They took a month off They had COVID impacted them. I think they just weren't sharp. Um, so they're going to have to show both of those guys can maybe more violent uh, at the point of attack, getting off, shedding blocks, getting to the ball carrier, making difficult tackles but most importantly is what are they going to be able to do in the passing game when, when they're out there as far as feeling zone coverage being in the right place understanding what sort of concepts that opponents like to run in what formations so they can get in between uh the quarterback and the receiver in, 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 without having to turn around and look for those guys it's feeling and it's understanding and it's it's a high-level IQ. And Kyle Soli, to me, has that, um, you know, that instinctual you know, capability to where he's – like Antonio Pierce calls him a pointer, meaning that he's calling out defensive shifts and adjustments and formations and what teams are trying to do. I think that comes naturally to him. And I think he is more aggressive at getting zone drops and being a playmaker over the middle from that, that Mike position, um, you know, and, but he's not you know, as maybe athletically gifted as a Robertson or even Butler now that Butler has really also done a good job of leaning out getting, um, he, he weighs about the same, but he's lighter and he's more athletic and he's hitting even harder, a pretty, pretty potent guy. Um, I think that these guys are, to me, this is the, this is the thing I'm watching with the defense more than anything is whether the, this trio can elevate. And then behind them, you have you know half dozen young guys um, with some competitive battles that we'll be watching in the spring. Connor Soley is uh, not really like his brother. He's shorter and stockier, and, and but he's also faster and more explosive. Uh, he's somebody that I think has put himself in position to play and, and, and be pretty effective. And the guy, the newcomer, the freshman newcomer, I guess I should say, who was a standout above all others to me in the spring was Eric Gentry. Now he is, uh, you know, he's, he's probably 200 pounds sopping wet right now on a six, six frame, at least six, six, but his athleticism is, is, is almost shocking, which I, I hesitate to use that word, but I like, I never say things like that, but, um, His ability to redirect and cover ground is unlike any linebacker on the team. It's easily better, in fact, than any of the other linebackers, including the starters. He eats up ground and he changes directions way better than you would think for somebody at six foot six. Um, So he has good instincts coming off the edge as a pass rusher. He plays physically despite being small or Finn, I guess is a better way to put it. So he has a chance, I think, to play a lot um, as a backup. And then, uh, you know, between the other guys, Jordan Banks, Caleb McCullough, Will Schaefer, and Jaden Williams, who's the fall arriving, uh, very athletic linebacker. That's going to be some battles, I think. You know, you got some talented guys. I I didn't see anybody really step up in the spring like I had thought might happen between Banks, McCullough, and Schaefer. I thought they sort of were, you know, just okay. And part of that maybe was because they had a new position coach, Chris Claiborne, as uh, Antonio Pierce moves into taking over the entire defense, and they're adjusting to Claiborne and some of the things that he's asking for. But some of those guys, I think, need to step up. And overall, this this is the position group that I think I'm going to be watching most closely.
0: Yeah, and, and that group, as I talked about, have a lot of veteran presence, but the next group, the secondary, uh, it could be one of the best nationally next season. They're, they're led by Chris Hawkins, and they have even more veteran presence somehow with the projected starters having three six-year seniors and a fifth-year senior. So what are your expectations out of this group with it moving to kind of a 4-3 defense? There's so much talent. How are they going to fit them all? How are they going to be able to give them enough reps on the field and, and what do you think that group's going to look like? Man, I mean it's pretty It's
1: pretty rare that you're going to get better secondary talent at ASU. Uh, I mean you might not ever get better secondary talent in terms of guys having this amount of experience and this uh, capability. You have in Chase Lucas a first team all-conference guy jack jones is you know last year he got he got suspended and whatever didn't play the guy was a five-star out of high school and he's now five years deep you know into his college career like he is one of the best pure cover corners when he's on his game in the conference and then tamarcus davis was one of the most improved guys on the team last year and he's capable of starting or being a third corner when you go into a nickel, which they'll play a lot of base nickel against the air raid uh, teams and other teams that use a lot of 10 personnel for four wide receiver sets. So they are, that trio is potentially fantastic bordering on off the charts. If they play to their capability, Jordan Clark, he started last year as a nickel. He's probably their fourth corner right now. And then you look at their safeties and that is, that's phenomenal between Evan Fields, who is a, maybe the fastest guy on their defense or maybe even their whole team in terms of like top mile per hour, while also being a physical thumping, heavy hitting guy who can come in and play in the box and be a run supporter, almost function like a bigger linebacker, um, a, a smaller linebacker at times. And DeAndre Pierce, when he got to ASU last year, he immediately beat out Ashari Crosswell with his assignment soundness and his just ability to always be in the right position. And somebody who had you know, started like 30 games or something like that at, at Boise State. So, I mean, wow, they, they, this group is really tremendous. The biggest question marks would be their backup safeties. Right now, we, we did see a positive development for them uh, was Cam Phillips, who had a really promising twenty nineteen, and then didn't have a good. You know, he was suspended from the 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 Sun Bowl that year, and then there were some issues related to his family and the the um, quarantine. He wasn't wasn't in Tempe for a lot of the year, and it was a slow sort of reincorporation. But he seems to be really engaged now and doing well. And Keywan Markham uh, has also looked good as a second team safety so i think they're pretty good and then you have the um you know you have athletic super gifted backups just waiting in the wings between robert reagan and tommy hill who were practicing in the spring including getting some mixing in some second team reps you have isaiah johnson popping in and um you know, kind of what all goes into that, Um, you know, he's super athletic and gifted. And then you have uh, Edward Woods who started uh, the second half of one of the games last year at corner. I mean, he's another guy who can play corner safety and it's almost like he's like their fourth or fifth corner. And yet he might athletically already be ready to play at this level. So you know T Lee looked good to me they moved him to safety and he made some interceptions as another backup guy i just think that they are they have an embarrassment of riches in their secondary and they should be
0: as good as anyone in the conference yeah for sure and and we've talked about the whole podcast with depth throughout positions and that one as you said it's just embarrassing with the amount of players that they have and it should be really interesting to see if they can step up especially Chase Lucas he set legendary expectations when he returned so if they can step up to that really, really elite next level, it could be a big things for that defense. And the last part of this team, we talked about the offense and the defense, or we let's stick with the defense for a second in terms of what you think is the most important thing to watch out for for fans in this, this, uh, this preseason camp. Yeah, I, again, I think um, the linebackers,
1: so much has been expected of them when you have guys that started as freshmen three years ago and and now you're still here, I think that those guys need to take the next step in terms of just being able to think and understand the game and process it and have it all be fluid and natural and on the fly, you know, for every tailored, for every single opponent, they need to be at that place. And I think they, I think they will be, that's pretty much it. I think the rest of the rest of it, other than developing depth and seeing which younger players are, you know, arriving, I think is
0: it's already there for them. Definitely. So now we've talked about the offensive defense, things to look out for. The only thing left is the special teams. Michael Turk is back. So the punter, there's not much question there. should be one of the best in the country. And then kick returning is expected to go the way of DJ Taylor and then punt returning. Uh, maybe DJ Taylor, Rashad White took some reps last year as well. The, the big questions around that special team is, kicker as as well as, as long snapper possibly so what are you seeing out of the special teams group and what do you expect
1: well yeah dj taylor is one of going to be one of the best kickoff returners in the country probably uh punt return i'm interested to see who that goes to michael turk is as good a punter as asu's had and they've had some pretty pretty solid ones uh over the years you know guys that have played in the nfl um i think the, the field goal kicking is the biggest question mark Probably Um, you you have, um, you know, they, I don't know who they're going to end up with there, to be honest. Like I thought it was in the spring. It was a question mark. Logan Tyler's making that transition, Um, you know, but is is he going to be able to win out? You know, they got a, you know, freshman walk on that they like a lot. Who's probably going to you know develop over time. You know, he only joined the team sort of late in the spring, um, you know, but he has, a, you know, like phenomenal bloodlines and legacy and everything, but so we'll see. I think that's their biggest weakness. Um, and then they have a freshman coming in, Edwards Plicky, um, who's a punter that I'm interested in kind of taking a look at in, in
0: camp as well, but
1: I think they should be really good. And the core special team should be really good.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that's basically the rundown of the team quick from, Chris Cartman, early on before this preseason camp with the offense, defense, and special teams that we went over. And the only thing that could really affect this team, we've talked about it a little bit, but there is that NCAA inquiry about the team in terms of breaking any rules and stuff like that. How do you think that impacts the season at all? Of course, at the Pac-12 media day, Herm Edwards said it, it hasn't been a distraction at all. Uh, whether he's saying that or he actually believes that is, is something that kind of we'll have to wait to see. But But what do you expect from that? Uh, if anything this season
1: well uh, again I think it is an emotional thing it is something that people are going to be thinking about even if they don't want to talk about that um, you know, Brenneman being put on paid administrative leave it, you know that may not be the only thing that happened I'm not sure like there could be the fact that they are doing that now ASQ, when you're such so early into this process to me indicates they're taking it really seriously all the way up to Michael Crow, the university president, and they're going to be proactive. If there's additional things that they feel like they need to do personnel wise, I can see them doing it. And so I'm not ruling out that those things could have an impact, um, you know, from a coaching standpoint and what happens on the field. Uh, what I pick ASU first overall, I, I voted ASU first overall, on my pac 12 ballot. What I have done that. Um, I did that prior to the Brennan news. What I have done that. You know, had I known that some of these coaching things may happen, like Brennan being put on administrative leave, or maybe even somebody, something happened to somebody else. Uh, if I had known that, I'm not sure. It's hard for me to go back and put myself into that thinking, but I do think that there that, that it is going to have some impact. But that's again something else that we're just going to have to watch and see, uh, try to get a feel for it as we take in practices in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, definitely. And with the inquiry or not, this is a very Very exciting time of year for Sun Devil football fans, the team that we just broke down, have tons of talent, and the sky is really the limit uh, for this team. They've set big goals for themselves uh, inside the team, and there's big goals being set outside the team, whether it be media or fans, whatever it may be. So make sure you stay tuned with Sun Devil Source at sundevilsource.com. We have tons of content coming your way in the next month, the next couple of days. We're going to have camp position previews for you, player capsules, Heading into this preseason camp, there's a lot of conversations happening in the Devil's Sanctuary. Make sure you're there, in in touch with those conversations, knowing everything happening along the team, and make sure to stick with us even through this preseason camp, and then of course throughout the season as we'll have tons of articles and tons of content coming your way. But for this podcast, the Sunday Source report here on August 4th heading into that sanctuary that will do it I'm Ethan Ryder, the host alongside uh, Sun Devil Sword publisher Chris Cartman thank you guys for listening we'll see you guys next time